Welcome to the Redemption 10P Podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I'm your host, AC. I'm joined with my co-host, Warren. Hey, what, what's up? What's up? What's going on, Warren? And then, uh, Warren, why don't you introduce our uh, special guest today? Oh, this is a very special guest. This is probably, uh, probably, this is the most special guest <laughs> that I've ever had on the on our podcast, on any podcast I've ever done. It is my wonderful wife, Jordan. Well, hello there. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Jordan. Tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you. Um, Yeah, so I am... Born and raised in Phoenix, um, been married to Warren for about a year and a half, and I am a clinical therapist, so Ooh. working in mental health. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Very good. And I'm her uh, favorite patient, so. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, do you, do you like analyze Warren sometimes? Um, not usually. I think, yeah. I think people ask a lot about, you know, am I constantly assessing people? Well, that's a lot of work. That's a lot. Like yeah, that's a lot of work. Like I'm on my downtime. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not assessing people until, unless I'm getting paid. So. That's right. Look, Warren, you got to do with your own stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to be assessed sometimes, but she just, she's like, you got to pay, put me on the clock. It's like, too much, man. You know, it's too much. So we finished the Love Walked Among Us series last week, but with this being Palm Sunday, and as we're going into the week where we reflect on the final week of, of Jesus' life before his crucifixion and resurrection, we want to take a look at some of the events that transpired during this week, namely his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. But yet, what we want to highlight and look at, which we often don't do when we talk about the crucifixion and trial of Jesus, is how did he love others, yeah. even during that time of high stress. Um, so Warren, what stands out to you when we look at Jesus' arrest yeah. and his trial? What stands out to you about the way that he acted towards others? All right. So if I would put myself in that position, right, I have the, or you have the whole arm of the state pretty much, right? Like coming up against you, um, the arm of uh, your religious community, which is like, this, which is central to your life, right? And back in these, especially back um, during his time, up against him, um, coming to take him. And I think something that really stood out for me is his calmness throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, he truly is like the lamb being led out to slaughter. Um, we know that he could have called angels down from heaven to rescue him or to take him out of the situation. But through every step of the way, um, even at the moment where I think when I, when I was younger and I remember even like hearing this story and, uh, the part where Peter draws his sword and slices off the air of the, um, uh, guard or yeah. whoever was coming to arrest him and like jesus even in that moment like sees the infirmary of like wow like this guy has been like broken like his air has come off and like i'm healing him in this moment mm. like how many people would really or how many of us would really like even think to like see someone else's pain in that moment we mm. would just kind of look at ourselves and like oh and he knew what he was about to endure but even in that moment he took the pause he had the calmness and like just that non-anxious presence like heal and to tell peter like again like where the true kingdom lies it's mm. not in violence right it's mm -hmm. like in peace and um loving in even in the midst of all that and like even when he was in front of pilate you know, he's getting drilled on, you know, are you the king? All the guys getting asked all these questions. And he keeps his answers, like, super brief, right? Mm -hmm. Like, every question he's asked, it's super brief, but it's so powerful, right? And I think um, even in that moment, like, it caused Pontius Pilate to even, like, look inward at himself, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, he didn't even want to, um, you know, send Jesus to the cross. But, you know, he had this pressure behind him um, once, like, Caesar, the kind of mm -hmm. name of Caesar was kind of, like, thrown or thrown in there. But, yeah, I think just generally, like, his calmness throughout the whole ordeal, he knew what his purpose was, and he knew that um, 
you know, what he was doing was bringing glory to the Father and um, was ultimately going to save the people he loves. So, yeah, I mean, he was about to die. Yeah. Like, what would like, you do if you knew exactly. you had less than 24 hours to live? Right. Right. And yeah. Mm. yeah. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think going off of that, too, just just the fact that he was not distracted from his purpose mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. You know, the fact that he did remain calm in in areas where I know looking at myself, even if I took it upon myself, like, I know this this is, you know, what, what God has for me. I might throw out some barbs along the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, yes. if it was up to me. Um, something that stood out to me was even, like, when it came to uh, just, like, the Pharisees and, and the garden and everything, that even when they were, like, handing Jesus over, their priority was trying to stay in like God's presence. Mm. It's like they were specifically like, oh, I can't, we can't go into the governor's, you know, house because we want to stay clean for the Passover. Meanwhile, they're handing over the actual son of God. (laughs) (laughs) And if it were me, I I might like draw out the irony and kind of (laughs) pinpoint that and say like, do you have, do you have, you'd have no idea what you're actually doing. Mm. And if you had any idea, you know, you, this is not where you would be right now. Right. Um, but just the fact that he's not distracted mm. by by things like that that are such like a slap in the face yeah. of like, well, it's it's against our law to kill anyone, but so we're just going to hand them over to the Roman guard, and so they've completely lost sight of even what the purpose of the law is in the mm-hmm. first place, yeah. which is to draw you closer to the presence of God, yeah. and this is the ultimate act of dividing yourself from Him, yeah. trying to extinguish the presence yeah. of God. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm struck by. The amount of questions Jesus asks hmm. during the whole arrest and trial period. Uh, Judas comes and he says, friend, why have you come? Right. You know, and he knows why Judas yeah. is there. He just predicted it like, exactly. you know, a couple hours ago. But he's giving Judas a chance to repent in the same way that, I, I think anyway, in the same way that he asked Adam in the garden, where are you? He knew where Adam was, but right. he's trying to give him a chance to come clean. You know, he's asking uh, uh, Pilate. You know, when Pilate's like, hey, are you the king of the Jews? Did you hear that from from somebody else? Is that your own idea? You know, like Jesus is trying to like, yeah. trying to make him grapple with the question exactly. of who he is. Because, yeah. you know, we've seen the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. He asked questions uh, like in a Socratic method to try to teach and to learn and to challenge and give people opportunity to repent and come clean. And he's still doing that yeah. as he's being arrested and put on trial. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's putting Pilate on trial. Exactly. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like. You know, I think in our uh, day and time, like we don't have necessarily like a clear picture of what the cross looks like. Mm. And, like even the fact that he was asking, you know, questions as he knows he's about to endure something that is so horrific, oh. right? Like just so terrible. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing. Which is a great segue because he does get crucified, and uh, even the English word excruciating mm. was invented to describe the pain of the cross. It literally means out of the cross, excruciate. Right. And so, uh, you know, I don't want to go into too many details, but the the flogging, it's one verse, yeah, but yeah. if you've seen Passion of the Christ, it's Jeez. half the movie is that yeah, flogging, exactly. that one right. verse in John. And then, you know, Jesus being put on the cross, uh, stripped naked, put on a very public place. It'd be like, you know, the Carvana Tower on, on Loop 202, <laughs> you know, like a high traffic <laughs> yeah, area right. yeah. where people are coming into the city and yeah. they're seeing these are the people who have offended Rome and who right. are being put to shame and are made an example of. And, you know, so Jesus is enduring that. And yet, He's still acting towards love. And so yeah. what stands out to you, Jordan, about the way Jesus loved others while he was on the cross? Yeah, I think something that especially stood out to me is thinking about, you know, how much pain, like you said, he was in at that moment. Um, and there's a part where he looks to his mom and to John and, mm. and says, you know, this is your this is your new mom. This yeah. is your new son. Right. right. And so he's in the midst of dying and thinking about ultimately like the needs of 
people close to him mm. um, of what's going to be um, needed for these people, you know, after following his death. Um, so making sure that people close to him are going to be taken care of no matter what, you know, even in his death, um, he's looking to, to others' needs ultimately. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think there are two things um, I've always thought about the cross that I've truly found like, wow, I can't believe that in that moment he was thinking about that. Um, I think when, um, you know, he was placed in between two robbers, right? And mm-hmm. you have one who is kind of doing like the same thing the crowd is doing. It's kind of like goading him, like mm-hmm. save yourself. And you, know, you have the other one who's like has more of a heart of repentance. And, you know, he even there like, you know, um, gives a promise like you'll be with me in paradise mm-hmm. one day, right? And again, like I know we didn't want to get too deep into the cross, but the cross or the crucifix is like, it, it was a horrible, 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 horrible thing for any person to experience. It was truly to just shame that person and to just really, like you said, make them example of like, this is what happens when you come against Caesar, when you come against Rome. So um, you think of like the things that he had to go through and yeah, like for him to even see his mother, right? And mm. to see, you know, the disciple that um, he loved and to say, wow, like this is your mother, like just make sure they're taken care of. And also, um, you know, as he's dying, right, he's about to give his final breath. You know, he asked for forgiveness, like for the yeah. people, like for the people who are inflicting this pain on him, who are trying to bring this ultimate shame upon him. He's mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness, and it's like, Bob, they don't know what they're doing to me. Yeah. So, just a Jesus, as we look through this, as we've looked through this whole um, series we've done, this love walk among the series, we've seen how Jesus has seen people, right, mm-hmm. and uh, until the point of death, mm. he is still seeing people, and like. Um, you know, seeing them with eyes that I think that we we wouldn't have in that same sort of situation, obviously. So, I love that. I love that you yeah. say that even to the point of death. Yeah. It, it makes me think of Revelation when and Revelation is like a crazy book with right. a bunch of different interpretations. But one of the major themes in Revelation is um, that the the Lamb is going to be the way forward for the victory of the church right. and His sacrificial death. And so the saints are supposed to follow the way of the Lamb. So right. you see a lot of martyrdom and stuff like yeah. that. But one thing that's that's said to the martyrs to to encourage the church is that uh, this says they overcame the beast mm-hmm. by the blood of the Lamb, uh, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives mm-hmm. even to death. So even at the very last moment, Jesus is not holding on to his life, not trying to like, you know, get the last little bit he can. He's still pouring himself out to the very last drop. And even like you brought up Jordan, the way that he looks out after his mom, I know it can be sometimes we have a distorted view, like when uh, earlier in the Gospels, when his mom and his and his siblings come out and they think he's crazy and he's right. like, well, who's hey, who, yeah, who's, who's my, my mother? mother? And he's, yeah. you know, he yeah. who does the will of God. And yeah. you can think, OK, so, you know, he probably feels closer to the disciples and kind of has like a loose relationship with his family. But no, even when he's about to die, he's taking care of his family, right. even at the time of high stress. And that's an important implication for us as the church is to take care of our family. Yeah, take care of Mary, you know, who in this case was is going to be without a son. I mean, she had other children, but she's also like a widow too. So like, yeah, to care for her, you know, and, and that she would, she would, um, yeah, just care for, just ultimately just care for her in that moment, like where her status may have been like, put her in a position where she's kind of lower in society. And the fact that he's even talking at all. Yeah, exactly. You have to, you have to <laughs> from, if I understand correctly, yeah. you have to push up, your back is exposed to, to wood that's not like smooth. Right. And you have to push yourself up putting your weight through the nails in your feet to just to breathe out, just to breathe, yeah. let alone talk. So, uh, you know, we've been doing um, this series. We got the name of it from a book, Paul Miller's book, Love Walked Among Us. In that book, talking about this time in Jesus' life at the very end, he says, it's relatively easy to love when things are going the way we want. But when the pressure mounts, most of us forget about love and only think about ourselves. 
Now, we believe all life is all for Jesus. Right. We like to talk about different spheres of life. So bringing the conversation to the workplace and this Paul Miller quote, Warren, what pressure do you experience in the workplace and how does that affect your ability to love and serve others through the work of your hands? Well, um, so I work in the logistics industry. Um, if you didn't know that, I know I've probably done like six podcasts on it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I work in the logistics industry and I think um, as a culture – we have um, the sorts of – we lean towards wanting to get things fast, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, our customers are expecting us to be able to move their products from point A to point B in the fastest way possible and to get it where it needs to go yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, – so for us, we don't have any assets. So we that just means we don't have any trucks. We don't have any trailers. We don't have any of that stuff. So we depend on – um, other companies to do those things and because they're human beings working in a fallen world like we forget things right mm-hmm. and um, there have been times where you know no fault of our of our own but some of our partners that we worked with have dropped the ball on certain things and then you know we have to deal with this um, anger from our customer who was probably facing pressure from their customer mm-hmm. like, you know it just kind of falls down like that um, but yeah I think in those moments it would be easy to like lash out at the person or the company who made the mistake but I think um, in RPM or, you know, my company, one thing that we really like pride ourselves on is that like recognizing that people make mistakes mm-hmm. and that like the way to respond is not to lash out or to make them feel less about themselves. But it's like, I understand, like pencils come with erasers. We're going to love you through it. We're going to mm-hmm. try to figure out where the problem happened, but we're going to be respectful and we're going to like even love you through all these mistakes and keep working with you. I mean, obviously if it got, I guess, super out of hand, we wouldn't take that approach, but mostly that's not the case. It's just people forgetting things. But in those moments, it's really hard, you know, when you're being uh, criticized for your job or critiqued, or you may feel like, you know, we may feel like we're, we, uh, the pressure of possibly losing a customer is really easy to be like, how can you have made this mistake and just like lash out. But, um, you know, in those moments, I think um, the gospel tells me or like gives me a moment of pause and like think about like man how many mistakes have i made in front mm-hmm. of in the eyes of christ and still like he pursues me mm-hmm. to the end and um you know his grace is um abounding so it's like um yeah i think i think that's definitely one space where i mean there have they, I, i'm not gonna say i've acted perfectly in this space sure. all the time but like it's been a, a challenge and it's been a good way to love people mm-hmm. and um especially in this industry where i think like it's it's all about what you have done for me yesterday or mm-hmm. like, or so or what you've done for me recently. So, yeah, that's just, that's one opportunity that mm-hmm. I think we get to love our neighbors in that way. So. That's really good. Yeah. What about you, Jordan? There's working in uh, community mental health, especially. Um, there's a lot of pressure on the therapists. So, you know, we're working in companies where we're seeing primarily, you know, low income patients. Um, so people on access and there's kind of the, this expectation of how many people are on your caseload? Mm. How many contacts do you have per week? Um, and so working in that kind of environment, a lot of therapists, you know, we talk about burnout. That's a pretty pervasive issue, mm. um, in our field because you're constantly meeting with people who, you know, are dealing with, you know, the worst possible things. And there's kind of this pressure, you know, to, 
see as many people as possible in the week and possibly to the detriment of the actual work you're doing with mm. each individual person. Yeah. Um, and so if the expectation is, you know, you're holding 60, 70 people on your caseload, you know, how much time do you actually have to really sit with that person mm. and and do the work that's required to actually, you know, have, have a real connection with that person in that moment and to prepare for them for the next session? Um, so I think a lot of therapists have dealt with just kind of that pressure of, seeing enough people to meet productivity standards and um yeah to the detriment of the actual care for for the individual that's coming to you for help in the first place um so it can be really easy to kind of lose sight of why we got into the field in the first place Mm -hmm. because there's all these different expectations that can kind of put pressure put the stress on us um to to perform in in that way that's more numbers based than human based which is kind of strange given the the profession that we're in yeah, and I've always felt like um, a great deal of ad- admiration to that approach because there's a sacrifice that goes in there because, you know, you're being paid based on your hours that you see people, right? right. So it's like you can just look at it as like, I'm just going to see as many people as possible and, you know, get my billable hours up. <laughs> but like, yeah, like what is it really – if you if we're looking – you know, she's. I feel like Jordan just really does a good job of looking at her work through like kingdom eyes and like I'm here to serve these people. So it's not about um, necessarily like stacking up billable hours, but it's about like carving my schedule out in a way where I can like fully be present with mm. each person and like honor them as like they are as a image bearer of God, right? Mm-hmm. And to like show them value and to take the time and not to be like thinking, all right, like I have to get like just finish up quick, like so I can get to the next person. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that that um sacrifice of of time or of money to like make sure that you're spending the time with each person. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And in a way that's actually sustainable for me right. as a, as a person right. long term right. because Ultimately, if I'm not taking care of myself, yeah. then I cannot be of any help to yeah, other people. Exactly. Yeah. So if I'm seeing too many people, like I, I see the effects of it on my own life. And I do tend to like cut out other relationships because I feel like I'm just too tired. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's about striking up a balance that is beneficial to me health wise. And then in turn, that benefits other people. Uh, Jordan, in your line of work, what impact do you see that stress can have on people? And what are some healthy and unhealthy ways of dealing with stress? Yeah, so stress definitely has uh, impact on pretty much everyone I see in different ways. But maybe some connection or pattern that I see is that when people are under stress, it tends to be a lot easier for them to believe certain lies, Mm -hmm. either about themselves or about other people or about their situation. Lies that they might believe about themselves are pretty much thinking that we're God. Mm. Right. And when we're under stress as individuals, we tend to kind of lose sight of our own needs. Um, we might not be sleeping as much. Yeah. We might, we might mm-hmm. not be eating <laughs> mm-hmm. like the things we need to be eating to actually. Our beard might be falling. And we, we tend to focus on the things that we think are important and that we think will, you know, move us forward and we think are necessary. But, you know, we're losing sight of the things that fundamentally make us human mm-hmm. and remind us that, like, we need to take care of these things or we're not going to be helpful to other people. Lies about about others. Um, you know, when we're under stress, it's really easy, I think, to try and cut corners or to lose sight of yeah. our relationships with other people um, or even to put the blame on other people for the stress that we're under. Yeah. Um, so it can be easy to, to believe lies, you know, like, well, lies like, you know, if I'm if I'm working on a project that, you know, is is going to be demanding so much of me at work and then starting to maybe resent 
my spouse, you know, my partner in that moment because I think they're taking me away from that. When in reality, you know, you're supposed to be serving them as well. Yeah. And the reality is, is that there's enough time to do both. Right. If, if we're really thinking about it, like you, we have the time and lies about our situations. You know, when we're under stress, we do tend to elevate things um, above where they should be. We can idol, idolize things. Yeah. yeah. We can make an idol out of, out of situations that we think are life and death. Yeah, um, and that so tends true. to that tends to affect the way that we approach a situation. Mm. Um, and so, the, yeah, we can we can rise it above the place that it should be in and uh, kind of disrupt the natural order that God has created for yeah. the way that we should be prioritizing things. So there's definitely healthy ways, you know, to, to handle stress. And some stress is healthy. You know, if we were never stressed about anything, right. we wouldn't find anything important. Yeah, <laughs> we'd, yeah, pro- yeah. we'd probably be really lazy and wouldn't <laughs> do anything. Right, right. Um, so a certain amount of stress is healthy because it, it drives us, you know, yeah. um, and there's certain things that we need to accomplish in order to, you know, move ourselves forward, our families forward, our communities forward. Right. Um, but healthy ways, I think, of, of handling stress are making sure that we're not not completing anything in isolation. Mm. Um, that if we're stressed, that we shouldn't be the only ones who know that. Mm. Um, we should so be yeah. working in yeah. community, you know, allowing other people to come alongside us in those times and to be praying for us. But also, you know, if if we're in a position where we can hand off certain things to other people, actually accepting the help from other people. Right. And at the, you know, going back, like not thinking that we're God and that mm-hmm. it's our job to do everything. Right. Um, and actually allowing other people to to do the work that they were designed to do. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're robbing them basically of their of their ability to yeah. to do good work. God bless you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the yeah. So that's those are the healthy ways of you know handling stress are making sure you actually have your priorities in order mm-hmm. that you're not elevating things above where they should be yeah. and in including other people. I think. Um, one question that I was asked, like in the midst of like some high stress, was by Jim Mullins because, of course. Um, <laughs> but it was like, "What is the light at the end of the tunnel?" And like that struck me because I think when we're in the midst of our stress, it just feels like it will be never ending. Like it's something that it's just going to continually happen. And when we get in that mindset, it just stresses out out even more. Mm-hmm. But like that question of like, "What is the light at the end of the tunnel?" Like when you like think about that you're like okay like this is actually where i want to end up or where i want i think would be most healthy where i like arrive eventually like then i can kind of prioritize things in my life and get them in an order where it's like there we can get to like a point of rest mm-hmm. like you know where it won't be in just a constant state of stress so yeah just one one thing that like i i've thought about and like that's really been helpful for me like in the midst of stress it's like all right what is the light at the end of this tunnel like this is not Probably not going to be something that's going on forever. Like, how can I, you know, order my life? How can I order, um, you know, the things I'm doing to get me to that place of, like, non-stress? So, yeah. so uh, in a culture yeah. that is completely stressed out, yeah. that is bent inwards, focus on ourselves, focus on our own needs at the expense of others, how can we as a community be a preview of the kingdom? One thing that uh, Jordan brought up I think is extremely important is, like, actually um, giving our stress to God, but also giving it to others, like... Um, the Bible tells us, like, bear each other's burdens, right? And I think in our culture of, like, individuality, it's so easy to just feel like we can, we just have to put everything on our shoulders and we have to handle it and, you know, we're going to be our own savior. But, um, you know, as we look to um, who is the true savior in Jesus, like, we can give our burdens to the cross and we also have that horizontal relationship where we can talk to people. I mean, there are so many times, like, our stress or, or whatever it may be, like, 
can be eased by just the the words of our brothers and sisters, the love of our brothers and sisters who, if you allow them into your life, will be willing to come around you, put their arms around you and love you and um, possibly, you know, um, help you get to that light at the end of the tunnel in the midst of a stressful situation. So mm. yeah. that's good. That's good. Yeah. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think from from the other side of it, too, um, kind of looking, seeking, you know, um, Yes, yeah, seeking, yeah, seeking out the stress yeah. people yeah. and and also kind of acknowledging for ourselves, you know, the ways that, like you said, like we're, we kind of live in a society that it has become very individualized and yeah. a lot of people are fo- very much focused on their own needs, their own concerns. And I see it in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so even just participating in self-reflection mm-hmm. of, you know, what are the ways that, what are the ways that I'm potentially closing myself off to to being able to minister to other people, to be of service to other people, you know, and there's, so there's ways where we need to be accepting of help from other people and trusting that, that they can do a job with us well, but also making sure that we're not closing ourselves off, closing ourselves off to being of assistance and to other people people. and and serving people in love. And for me, I know it's, it comes from a place of, just worrying that I'm going to be completely depleted of all mm-hmm. energy and resources. Yeah. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a very big introvert. And so I know for, I think maybe for, maybe I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of introverts yeah, right now yeah. where like trusting, <laughs> just trusting that God is going to like replenish that energy. Yeah. He's going mm-hmm. to meet your needs. He is the source of all of our right, internal resources right. mm-hmm. and trusting that if we go out on a limb and reach out to other people and um, just offer to relieve the burden of some of that stress that we are not going going to be completely, you know, diminished in the process. Right. Mm. Right. I love that. I love there's, uh, I don't want to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> let's go, man. Let's go. When are you preaching next, Jordan? Hey, let's get it, man. We're tag teaming next time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. I hope that, and I pray that it's, that we really take this to heart because this is something that is not far away. This is not a, a like a third world country issue. Right. This mm-hmm. is everybody. Uh, yeah. We all deal with stress. We all deal with pressure and the temptation to focus on ourselves and not others. So thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Our vision is to create disciples who seek reconciliation and restoration of Tempe. We are a multi-congregation church, and our service times at our Tempe location are 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 6 p.m. To learn more about us or to get plugged into the life of the church by tapping the connect button on our app, we would love to hear any feedback or questions you have. Please send them to Tempe Podcast at RedemptionAZ.com. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.